welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Hello and welcome to another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my family lawyer colleague, Liza. Liza, today we're going to talk about things in the world of parenting cases, whether it's to do with family reports, independent children's lawyers, and everything beyond that. So expect to sort of get a few random questions from me now, but um, can I start with an obvious thing? What do I mean when I'm talking about a parenting case? Um, it's a case where you're trying to come up with an arrangement for your children. So where they're to live, who so they're to spend time with. This is post-separation, obviously. Oh, yeah. I better not go back and tell Mrs yeah. Alex later on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you could have one beforehand. That would actually kind of work, um, particularly in my case. But anyway, parenting cases post-separation is when you're trying to talk out, trying to work out exactly um, where the kids are going to live, who they're going to spend time with, who they're going to talk to, what other rules and bits and pieces that you need to put in place around, you know, what schools they're going to go to and things like that. So it's it's everything that you would do as a parent whilst you were together as a couple. In other words, the things that all the other person does. <laughs> Trying to understand that new universe now that you're in the separated situation and getting, in some cases, a lot more engaged with your children. In other cases, having to let go a little bit and working through what those arrangements are going to look like. It's it's basically like trying to predict the future needs of your kids. So um, and the younger they are, the harder that gets. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, well, we, we might talk about the difference uh, differences to approaches and things that are taken for very young children as opposed to sort of teenagers and beyond. But So the number one thing that I often recommend to my clients is about being child-focused. Um, is that something that you ever experience with your clients where they are maybe thinking about what's working for them rather than about what's working for Most the of the time. It's actually a, it's a skill that you have to learn um, as a separating parent and I don't, I don't say that lightly. I think that most parents, because there's that misunderstanding that they have a right, they have these rights and the parents don't have the rights. It's the kids that have the rights and um, the parents have the responsibilities and that responsibility, what? You just pulled a, pulled a face. You pinched my line. That's what I, I trot that out to my clients all the time. Yeah, well... <laughs> well it's true, though. It's absolutely <laughs> true. The children are the ones it's written down in the act. Yeah. They have the right to a meaningful relationship and, and with really, mum and dad. It really is around. a hard thing to come uh, to come by, um, you know, especially when, like, I'm not even separated, but my six-year-old tells me all the time, I've got rights. <laughs> like, okay, yep, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me. But... It, but the, the truth of the matter is that they do have the rights and it is something that's very difficult to come to terms with when you're separating because now you not only have to try and battle your kids um, because they're the ones with the rights, but you're also trying to compete against your um, ex in relation to that time and what you're going to do and how you're going to try and co-parent with each other. Yeah, um, and, and Competing is, is probably not how I would want my clients to see the universe it's no, about it's getting how they to do see it oh, of course they do it's not it's not fair he, he stroke she's got more nights yeah. than me i'm thinking what about your children i mean yeah. really what's best for them that's really what this is all about yep and so remaining child focused is is really important because you what i want clients to do is put yourself into the shoes of your kids you know i watched a tiktok the other the other week oh, it was probably longer than the other week now but and it was this teenager 
and she was just doing some little TikTok thing, packing up her room, packing up her stuff, saying, yeah, welcome to my life, spending the next couple of days at Dad's, then I'll be back here again. And, you know, it's it's a real burden a lot of the time on the kids. Yeah. Um, you don't see that when they're that young, um, but as they get older, they get a bit more vocal. And so that's what it's really important to – and it, it really resonated with me when I watched this, this video. Um, I thought, wow, um, that's – that's something that I really should try and um, pass on to my clients to it's say. A super know. important perspective, actually, isn't it? You know, because we like we write down these court orders that you know say the child will move from you know, spend these nights with dad, yep. these nights with mum. This is where they'll change over every second weekend doing this. Yeah, or all, all week about arrangements, whatever it is. But really, it's the children's life. Yeah. It's that's the, it's the child's life that's really going to be affected yep. by this. You know, mum stroke dad will we'll get every other They're weekend off or driver. something. You know, we'll, of course, we'll, <laughs> with, yeah, that's right. With a financier and taxi yep. driver of our children's lives, but it's that's a really nice way of thinking about it, actually, and, and a very helpful way. If you're thinking about, oh, it's not fair. I want an extra night here or an extra night there. Think, what, what do you think would be good for your child? Mm. Do you think they would want that extra night? Yep. No doubt that they'd love you. It's just their life day to day is being disrupted by you know, the ongoing squabbling about the post-separation arrangement. So the sooner you can lock it in and have something consistent that their children can really thrive in, then by far and away the better. Now, there are different ways of setting these things out. So if, if you're able to have a conversation with your ex, fabulous. If you're still friends, that's that's double fabulous for the kids because there'll be a good outcome. Mm. Um, I've seen uh, and you know, anecdotally experienced personally, you know, situations where there, there's no written agreement there's no, no court orders it's just an informal it just arrangement works. They, it just works yep. because people are respectful but there can be situations when much as you might want to get on with the other person it's too difficult or life has moved on a bit so how would we go around sort of formalizing something that say we have agreed so you've either got two op- you've got two main options one is the parenting plan which is just a written document that's signed off by both parties saying this is what we're going to do, this is where the child's going to live, this is what we're going to do if um, we can't agree and it sets out a whole series of issues which we'll come to, um, I think we're going to talk about in this podcast but, or we're not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially just who, where the child's going to live, where day-to-day arrangements, day-to-day arrangements and also the longer-term ones. So um, if, you know, what's... What are you going to do in terms of school? Are you going to agree on the school? Is it going to be the choice of one party? Is it going to be, can the parties relocate? All these sorts of issues will come yeah. up. Anything to do with how the children are going to be living their yep. lives until they turn 18. Things like name changes. Do you do you consent to the other party changing the kid's name? Most people say no, for good reason. Um, but in terms of um, travel overseas, travel within Australia flying unaccompanied, all these sorts of things come come up in parenting plans and you can chuck it all in. And as long as the parties have signed off on it, um, then... That's a parenting plan? That's a parenting plan. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be on the back of a... I was going to say a beer coaster. I don't know why I said that. But but it can be just on any piece of paper. Um, and just as long as it's writing and as long as it's signed off by both parties, you don't have to get legal advice on it. That's a parenting plan. I'd probably suggest that you did get some advice first to make sure that you. It can be easy to get lost in the, in the melee of yeah. what you have and haven't agreed, um, just so that you get a professional to say, "Don't forget to incorporate holiday That's arrangements, right. pick up arrangements, what happens if arrangements, swapping information about." There's a lot of stuff that we tend to do as family lawyers that yep. we don't even blink at, but yep. easy to overlook if you're drafting something for the first time. 
Okay, so you mentioned parenting plans is one of the options yep. of formalising and the other the is the parenting order. So the parenting order is something that the court has to approve. Right, so I have to go off to court to get that. Well, yes, through either making an application for consent orders or having filed an... Oh, you said if they've agreed, didn't you? I did say if they've okay. agreed. So then an application for consent orders. So you won't necessarily have to appear in a court, yep. um, but you have to fill in a bundle of forms and <laughs> attach the parenting order um, and, it and go, parenting order is going to say much the same sorts of things that could be written down in a plan, but in a more formal that's right. sense. Yeah, and I would strongly recommend that you obtain legal advice and assistance with drafting of that parenting order because the courts are, and rightly so, very particular. Because a lot of the times people will put into their plans, um, or they'll have agreements on, on things that just aren't enforceable. So anything that's not enforceable can't go into a parenting order. Yeah. So it's and, and to, it's that's it, an episode in itself really is working out what sort of things are enforceable orders and giving descriptions but that's where you should really get the advice of your family lawyer. Yeah, so it's well, it's probably well worth spending just a few quid if you've agreed most things and you just need it drafted properly and professionally. Yep. It's probably a good investment given you're talking about you know, arrangements for your children until they turn 18 to have a professional do the drafting itself. Because the court has to approve and they co- approve that application, and the court has to the court has to be satisfied. Even if you both agree, mm. that is, it is still in the best interest of, of your children for those orders to be made. Yeah, so the so court that, can't make the order that. just because you agree. So there needs to be the court needs to be satisfied, and sometimes you might need more evidence about that. So, you know, it might be that you know one party. And I had one recently, or well, not that recently, I guess, but. Um, I, I had a case where I think mum lived in New Zealand or somewhere like that and kids were over here with dad and court wanted to know why it was in the best interest for there to be a parenting order um, for them to for the kids to live with dad over here and see mum as and when agreed and, and not specify more time. Well, the reality was that we couldn't really specify time. They're in different countries. Mm. Everyone was happy with the arrangement. They'd received legal advice on their um, on their options and things like that. So, but it still meant that we had to write back to the court, and the court wasn't necessarily going to simply approve that document just because the parties had agreed. Yeah. So the parties' agreement is that's nice to have, but it's not the essential factor yep. for a registrar who's the type of judge that makes those decisions. It's about, according to the law, what is in the best interest of the kids, and if those parenting orders maybe raise a question why should i make that they won't make them mm. they'll give you a requisition they call it which is there uh, we don't like this because please mm. explain yep okay so that's the parenting plans and parenting orders uh, we hear a lot these days in the media and bear in mind I'm, as i said i'm going to bounce around a lot just going to sort of kicking around some of these things that we come around in parenting cases um, we hear a lot at the moment about domestic violence and family violence yep. so what do we do when we're trying to fix up parenting arrangements if we're a parent and there is some domestic violence, whether you know we've been a, you know, we're the person that's been accused of domestic violence or whether we're the person against whom it's been perpetrated? Is, is that a roadblock to ever getting arrangements done? Or No. So it can um, be done? It can be done. Um, it just needs to be managed carefully because whilst you, we need to think about what's in the best interest of the children – one of the ways that the courts will look at that, they'll say, well, the best interest is served by having a meaningful relationship with both parents and then provided that 
that the children aren't exposed to any risks of harm. So you do take into account the allegations of domestic violence and exposure to family violence, but it's not necessarily a, a complete and utter roadblock. It may be, for example, and, I'm, and I don't want to downplay this issue at all, but it may be that the domestic violence has occurred between um, just mum and dad and the kids have never been actually exposed or it's been historical. So it's situational violence. to that relationship, not necessarily something that should yeah. impact upon the parenting of the children in That's the future. Right. And that now that the, that relationship, that what I call the adult relationship has come to an end, mm. um, it then means that you know the parties, yeah, the, the children are not necessarily at risk of being exposed to violence because that adult relationship, that trigger, mm. which, and I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, it's very much case by case, isn't it? Yeah. So it's one of the things that I, I try to make sure is that that um, where there's cases of, of family violence that's been alleged, that proper mechanisms are put in place in the orders um, for just just in order to protect the children. That's the main thing is yeah. so that – and when I talk about proper mechanisms, I don't mean that there be um, formal injunctions, although that sometimes can be an issue. Like, for example, if someone – if someone has a history with a, with anger issues, it may be that um, one of the one of the parents has to stay in contact with a counsellor for a period of time yeah, to or, try and or work go and attend an anger management or, course or, or something, so that, yeah. so that they can actually reform their ways and so that they're in, you know, that they're being monitored and things like that. So it's so that again. We're putting the needs and the interests of the children at the forefront of our minds. Yeah, and, and sometimes you know, I've had to give, give this advice in the past where the other person apprehends that there's been this problem and my client might not think it's really there, sometimes just do the course mm. because if nothing else... I've done the triple P parenting um, course that everyone has to... That's that's fine. That's, there's nothing... It's not an admission that you're a bad parent. It's, it's simply, only going to help you, give yeah, you more tools. I actually... There's a... I think there's a... And there's a positive parenting something... Oh, I can't remember what it is. All these online things... But they're actually really helpful. Um, you know, you don't even need to be separating a lot of the time to actually no, go and, a, and do all that sort things. of stuff. It's it's actually just helpful dealing with the kids of today. I tell you what, I need. There's a, there's a teen a teenage module for that one, which I, I'm about to throw myself into as well to, to sort of do that online. Because oh, I, look, it's a, it's it's either that or the drink, really. <laughs> so well, to be to be fair, it's probably <laughs> probably both. both yeah, who <laughs> we can we're yeah, lawyers. That's, that's right. Yeah, so it's. It's courses and it's drink and it's lunch, but we'll get to lunch in a bit. We will. Okay, so that's from the family violence and domestic violence question. That leads me then into my next segue into where there is conflict between mum and dad, Mm. where that it doesn't necessarily equate to you know family violence and there's no orders in place. They just hate each other's guts. They just don't like each other anymore. Maybe there's been some act of betrayal, but who knows? Maybe they've just Mm. really gone off each other. Yep. How do we? kind of help our clients to manage that so that so they can get on with their parenting We try and limit the amount of contact between mum and dad. Yeah. We try and do things like, so when there's a changeover, yeah. use, use the school as the changeover. You send your child to school in the morning and then dad picks them up in the afternoon. So mum and dad don't have to meet. So it's reducing the number of flashpoints because when they come into contact is the risk of you know, conflict between mm. the children. Yep. Oh, sorry, in front of the children. That's right. And the other thing, um, and a lot of people sort of, you know, there's one thing I, I, I see all the time is, oh, the kids come home with dirty clothes and this oh, and that. It's yeah. like, seriously, guys, you're living your separate lives and following on from my divorce register, 
<laughs> which I'm going to put another shout out because this is why it's important. You know, both parties, they could have had their own little divorce register and got separate Separate stashes. lunchboxes. Separate so you lunchboxes, have your own, your own mouldy lunchbox coming back to you rather than right. criticising the other person. Separate stashes of toys and things like that. Mm-hmm. Here's your toys at Dad's place. Here's your toys at Mum's place. Here's some school uniforms here. Here's some school uniforms there. And We're going to have to write you know, that down again, the divorce register. Yeah. I'm, it's a, it's, it's not going thing. away, is it? It's a thing. It's okay. going to be a thing. <laughs> So parental conflict, you've got to try and manage that. I mean, we all have to be grown-ups, of course, for the sake of our kids, difficult as it can be sometimes. But from our legal perspective, the best way we can manage that is to try to reduce the number of occasions that orders or a plan will see mum and dad coming into direct contact with one another. The other thing to do, is, which is quite simple, is just both agree and pop it into the parenting plan or parenting order that you're going to be respectful or, or if you need to communicate... Have a means. Agree on the means of communication. It doesn't have to be you're only going to be sending. No, you can just send an email. Send if it's an emergency, send a text. If it's, um, you can use the Family Wizard app. You can use apps that I think yeah, other apps some, are available. Well, there's yeah, you know, there's other ones, but that's one I know of. Talking most. Parents is another one. Um, so there's there's all these little means that you can communicate without actually have to having to. See, see the other person. And that's the trigger, isn't it? Now, I've got yeah. another great trigger for you. Mm. New partners. Oh. So the separation's happened yesterday. Yep. I've repartnered. Hello, meet my girlfriend. Oh, hey, well kids, the w- here's your stepmom. What, what, what would you go about? How would you advise your client to say, what's a good time to introduce children to your new partner, if at all? Oh. And, and how does all that work not, in this wild world of oh, online God. dating? It's, it's tricky. Um, it's so hard. I remember when I was growing up and... You know, my mum had a friend um, <laughs> from time... And, that sounds know. like a euphemism, which yeah, we, we won't it's go like, into. Oh, yeah, they've got this I friend. I've been listening, Liza's mum. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. She, she would have fast-forwarded it so that we just get the five stars. It's okay. Um, <laughs> nobody, nobody does that. <laughs> so in terms of, um, you know, it, it is it is very tricky. Uh, it, I think that depends on the age of the child. If they're a teenager and they know what's going on, they know that they know that it's not a friend. Um my mum's most recent friend, who is now her husband, um, that was funny because he was a publican, and you know, at the time, and that was that was a good friend to have, because he would bring home <laughs> cartons of beer. So we're like, yeah, we can, we this friend can stay, <laughs> but uh, also just to put, I was over eighteen, so it's not like I was underage drinking, and he wasn't supplying a minor with alcohol. But that, the point that, that, is, that's just for the official record. <laughs> of this guy. But the point though is that there is no set time that um, lawyers won't get involved into into telling you the client when is a good time to I tell might. your kids. You will. I might. Really? I might. Yeah. I think Jesus. if if it's a very new relationship. What do you I, say then? I, I, w- I wouldn't. I, I would just go. No, that's not for me. You you do that. I, talk no, to your. I would say because what it does is people. otherwise it kind of opens up the pathway to the other side to be able to point the finger and say this is confusing to the children. You are constantly having new relationships. Somebody who's going through the dating world is very different to having that new relationship. Mm. So I'd be saying, if it's somebody that you've developed, you know, you know, you know, depth of feelings for, and you can see, a, you know, a long term future, then structurally, you know make those arrangements to introduce the children, let the other person know because mm. that's going to be a significant person in the children's lives. If, if, on the other hand, you're going through the revolving door of, of every dating app going, I'll be well, saying keep that to yourself, yeah. to yeah. be honest. Keep the kids out of all of that. Yep. I've seen it, um, again, anecdotally through cases and also you know through people I, I know personally mm. where they have introduced children to girlfriends, boyfriends of like a week or, or less yeah. duration. I'm going, so this that, is just 
confusing. That's just, that's just madness. It's confusing to the children. Yep. So I, I would have that conversation with mm. the client and say, okay. hold back, okay. wait until it's a serious thing and, and then do it sensibly and structurally. And, and don't make it a massive surprise to the other parent because that's disrespectful. And if, you don't, if you're not worried about their reaction, just worry about how your children would feel. That's right. It's, how, it, yeah. I, would, I would just be concerned more about the kids. But um, as far as the new partner co- is concerned, they, they're the ones that will often, you know, um, derail those parenting agreements because it doesn't work for the new partner. The new partner might also have some kids and it's like, well, that doesn't work for me because I've got my kids on this day. Oh, we go full Brady Bunch here. Oh, we Coming do. from somebody who never used to watch it. <laughs> really? I used, to, I used to love the Brady no, Bunch. No, no, no. I, um, I grew up in the UK. I don't think it was Oh, yeah, that's right. Very long time ago. Black, um, and, black and white Stone Age televisions. Um, so anyway, yep. Now, you mentioned your, your mother's... Uh, new friend, now old friend, now husband. Yeah. Publican, which yeah. brings me on to the next thing and touching on your childhood, perhaps. <laughs> so, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No. Substance abuse. So, and what I mean by that that's is. That's not my childhood, that's my adulthood. Sorry, your, your adulthood and, and ongoing. <laughs> um, but substances can mean just about anything. I'm, I'm yeah. talking whether it's alcohol, alcohol drugs, yep. other stuff. I don't, I don't even know other stuff. I'm, I'm a bit of a. Oh, what does my friend call me? Step, Stepford Wives sort of person. I'm I'm a bit naive when it comes to... I'm a bit of a clean skin when it comes to... Um, a lot of those sorts of things. I, a, I usually get educated by my clients more than anything. Things, yeah. I, I've written plenty of court orders and affidavits and, and um, dealt with lots of issues to do with the misuse of what are entertainingly called recreational mm. drugs. Um, yet I think being a constant stoner when you're looking after the children is probably suboptimal for their yeah, outcome. I, d- I don't think that's, um, that's so been too... Substance abuse, it takes all sorts of forms. You know, you, you have um, some people develop massive dependencies upon alcohol, some people upon different types of drugs and they misuse it. And it's how does it impact upon their ability to parent the children? I mean, obviously they, they probably need to resolve those issues themselves. That's right. I would... Um, well, I've had cases where... You know, the kids have been taken off, mum, for yeah. example, um, because she was hooked on a whole heap of drugs, and it just doesn't because it, it, she won't get out of wouldn't get out of bed, um, things like that. And it's, yes, it's, and it's the, the kids neglect that it leads to, school. isn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. So it's they don't care. The kids are up late. Um, there's a whole whole range of factors. It's not just you know um, what it looks like. Oh yeah, um, my kids might start taking it themselves. It's not about that. It's all the other things that go along with it. It's mm. the Although it's not a good look and it's not a good modelling thing if no. that's going on. But So, um, yeah, so substance abuse is a biggie. But what I, what I always find, um, not amusing because it's not funny, but I find it interesting is that we draft these orders and say, oh, well, um, we, that, you know, mum and dad agree to be under the you know blood alcohol limit of 0.05 while the kids are in their care um that's an interesting one because i just go how the hell does anyone in fact enforce that like i, I get yeah, that at a barbecue. Be it's, it's sort of an aspirational statement yeah. as much as anything i know it's an order and you should respect the order of the court of course but how do you police it yeah that's i i, I write it so many times and i think and i was mentioning it at the start about being in things that are enforceable um, and you can technically enforce it because you can probably have someone rock up with one of those little portable breathalysers and whatever else. Obviously, if you're out taking the kids for ice cream and you're over the limit and you get pulled over by a copper, well, then you're going to obviously have breached that. That's going to be proof. But uh, oh, generally, and, you, and, though, you'll, and you'll probably make the news. Yeah, a couple of kids. It'll be in the tomorrow's car. electronic chip yep. paper. 
But in terms of um, the substance abuse, I think it's a real big one. And I think that um, people don't realise the impact that that their drug use or alcohol use has on the kids and um, particularly in a separating family because it will be used against you. Mm. Um, think about it. You've got an eight, nine-year-old child at the moment. They're a sponge. They're seeing everything that's going on and things are going well and then the kid's probably about 10 or 11 and and there start to be a bit of conflict between mum and dad. Mm. Child's going to start playing them off against each other. Oh, did you know what? I said, you know, dad does this on the weekend and mum was doing this and this is mum's Coke drawer. <laughs> that sort of thing. Oh, it it all, all comes out. All so that matter, I think you've, you've had one rumbling away in the background as well in the office um, where the children have been exposed to directly given, mm. you know, whether it's vapes or, or alcohol, I mean, whiskey yeah. and... So oh, quite shocking things, it's really. Shocking. It's, and and th- this is not equivocation. Yeah, this is yeah, dead set. There's the video of it happening. Yeah. So that's the sort of stuff that um, you know. I think that the courts do take seriously for for good mm. reason. And that, those are the sort of situations that can lead to reversal of care arrangements yep, and making sure that the you know the, the non-transgressing parent, if I can put it that way, is probably going to become the primary carer, and the other parent just needs to sort their life yeah. out so that they like can. What sort of parent thinks it's a good idea to teach your kids to smoke? I just don't. Uh, to me, it's mind-boggling. So yeah. they, that unless you run a large chain of tobacconists, in oh, which case, yeah. I could but but the thing is, though, what what possesses someone to do that, really, and to then think, mm. that, you know, that to me says, okay, it's not really about the substance abuse here. It's not about that. It's about okay, your judgment as a parent, yeah. and then it stems. Then it gets back to okay, should they really be having parental responsibility? time with the kids you can manage those sorts of things and protect the kids but it's the it's those decisions that are really important so so beware beware substance abuse is something that comes across our table so to speak all the time yeah i'm not just talking about lunch no No, but we will get (laughs) to lunch actually arvin legal is proud to sponsor split happens you'll be in safe hands with arvin legal for all your family law needs, call us on 07-5562-0444 or visit our website at arbanlegal.com.au. Now, something that, so, that sometimes aligns to substance abuse, and, and these things sometimes are correlated and other times not, is mental health issues. And that's another tricky one because that, again, leads to, and without discriminating here, a lot of the time those um, people who are affected by mental health issues do have a reduced capacity to, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that in a, in a way that is designed to be derogatory to those suffering from mental health um, problems because it, it's out there in the community and it's a, it is, it is, yeah. it is a, a valid concern and it's no one's fault it's more of a, it's just an observation. It's how do one manage that condition as much as anything, isn't it? Yeah, and if you don't, if you don't um, take action, say for example you're suffering from depression and you, and you do absolutely nothing about it, that's not going to be beneficial to the kids. It's going to impact your ability to parent. It's going to impact your capacity to make proper decisions because you're not going to be thinking that rationally. You need to have... You need to have some guidance and some professional assistance. And, and it's not so much that um, a parent who suffers from any sort of mental health um, issues isn't necessarily going to be considered a good parent. 
it's when they don't take any action for those or, or at least make some positive steps yeah. to try and... So the criticism is not for the condition because no. n- none of us can help those things. That's right. The criticism comes from not dealing with it yeah. or, or not following the advice of your doctors yep. or your therapeutic yep. team or whoever you, it might you be. May have, you may have um, you know, been advised that you need to go on some medication or you might be advised to take go uh, undertake some therapy or um, if you're not doing those things, yeah, then... You know, you really need where where is your mind at here, and and what are you doing, and where are you, what are you thinking about when it comes to making these decisions for the kids? If you can't look after yourself, yeah. how can you be expected to look after your kids? It's not a good look as well if you try and sort of um, you know, denial is not just a place, it's not just a river in Africa, as they say. It's just <laughs> I had a um, a client many years ago, a lovely fellow, but mm. also a little bit out there. Um, and he, he suffered from a bipolar depressive condition. Yep. Um, his way of managing it, and he was absolutely upfront that's thinking this was very much the best thing for him, despite being in a massive case in relation to parenting and property, especially the parenting case. He thought the best way of dealing with it was, oh, I'll take myself off for a few days and go on a massive bender, and then I'll come back maybe a week later, <laughs> sort of rolling out of the hedge. And it, it took quite a bit of persuasion to say, I think perhaps you might do better off to get some medical assistance with this. You know, yeah. Going, you know, and having a week-long bender in, in every pub in, in New South Wales is probably not the right idea here. Yeah. So self-medication, eh, not so much. No. It's what, is it going to be a good look in front of the judge? And that's mental health issues. where Everybody goes through periods in their life where they yep. need some support and structure around that. It's how you deal with it. I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in um, treating, in, in taking that taboo out of mental health. It should be no different from saying, "Oh, I need to go to the doctor and to fix my broken arm." You know, it, it should be no difference. It's simply a case of, you know, there's something that's not quite right, um, and it just, you just need some assistance with it. Yeah, that's we, all. That's all it is. We certainly come across those sort of issues um, from time to time, which, you know, and as as lawyers, I mean. We would say to somebody, if there are those kind of elements to the separation, the post-separation world and parenting, go and speak to your solicitor. Mm. Go and speak to your family law lawyer and get some good advice early on about how best to manage those situations. If it's you that's got those issues and problems, you'll be able to point you in the direction of yep. the right sort of counselling services that you might need. Go and see a doctor. Go and get some support as well from other support services, whether it is um, to do with you know, your emotional coping or whether it's to do with needing to be able to see the children and the other person's being a bit reluctant. So get a third party. Relationships Australia, people like that are out there to help. So don't feel that you have to do this all on your own. You know, there are men's line, men's helplines. There are are lady helplines. There's plenty of sort of women's TV lines as well out there. You don't have to do this all alone. And if you don't know where to turn, then you know, your, your local family law solicitor They've will be able to point you in the right direction to yeah. start with. They've usually got some referrals anyway, that um, referral partners that they can put you in touch with. Yeah. Now, one of the things that, w- that we come across from time to time, whether it's to do with either because of mental health issues or substance abuse or risks of family violence, is it, we want the children to be able to see the other parent. Yep. But it needs to be in a safe space. So how would you go about um, we have yeah. facilities called supervised contact centres, or they they might be called other things, but essentially that's what they are. Um, so what what happens there is that you make an appointment, you have like an intake session, and um, that contact centre will arrange times that are available for 
you know the child to be with mum or dad, whoever the part the parent is that needs to spend the time with the child, um, in a in a safe space and supervised by one of the the supervisors there, and they they're often um, family consultants and counsellors and social workers, so they're trained um, in this sort of area of. Yeah, and their job is just to make sure the visit goes as, as well as it can for the child. Yeah. Um, and you should be mindful if you're going along as well that you know y- your behaviour is going to be watched. Yep, uh, and they'll make notes. And they'll make notes. But notwithstanding any of that, remember it's just an opportunity to reconnect with your child That's if right. it's been some time. Don't feel that they are there to judge you. They're, they're making observations for sure, but it's about reconnection with the child yeah. that's important in a safe space. And that might, it, it's rare that a supervised regimen is going to be very long term, um, can happen. Well, that, that it puts a big imposition on that supervised contact centre because remember that that's going to take up a space for the next, you know, say your kid's eight or six or something, you know, you've got another 12 years of that centre having yeah. one spot gone. And oh, you're going to face the, ch- the, the, the reality, of course, of teenagers voting with their feet. I mean, oh, yeah. Trying try to wrangle any of my children to do something physically they didn't want to do at this stage <laughs> in their life, um, that would be an impossibility. I can't even get my three-year-old to behave, so <laughs> I'm, I'm screwed. I just get patted on the head by my 15-year-old as he, <laughs> as he towers above me and wanders past. <laughs> Grunts. Uh, anyway, so the, the contact centres, they're, they're a real thing as well that yep. we, we deal with. And again, your family lawyer will be able to point you in the direction of the local centres and providers, yep. um, as will Relationships Australia and some very good people out there. Um, now, when we have a client come to us and say, hey, I want to get these parenting arrangements in train, but I'm, I'm not getting a lot of traction... Should they go straight to court or what should they do? No, they have to get the um, they, they need to go off to a mediation first and um, get what's called a, a Section 60I certificate from that Family Dispute Resolution Practitioner. That sounds fun. What's a Section 60I certificate when uh, it's at it's home? It's basically a, a little, um, it's like a certificate saying that parties have made a genuine attempt to resolve the dispute and if the parties haven't made a genuine attempt or if the parties are what we call, like, if the, if it's not appropriate for mediation, then that um, mediator or family dispute resolution practitioner, in with they're the ones that are authorised to give 60I certificates, they will um, mark the box appropriately. So That's your golden ticket to be able to start litigation. That's right. And But be, be careful because if you're a case where you should technically really be trying to mediate... Um, but you decide for whatever reason that you just don't want to because you want to be a, an arsehole about the whole thing. Um, yep, good there's, legal there's technical a, term there. <laughs> well, that's that's probably the, the best way to describe it. Um, there's a little box there that they can tick so that, you know, that party A just did refused to participate or um. wouldn't answer or wouldn't engage and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and so the... Family dispute resolution practitioner can just simply go, well, look, we've tried. I've tried to invite them. Um, They haven't come to the party and so you've tried, therefore you have permission and here's your certificate and and away you go. And away you go. And I called it a golden ticket. Obviously it's the worst thing in the world to win is the opportunity to go and litigate for parenting arrangements. Um, Wherever possible, try and mediate and try and use a family dispute resolution practitioner despite the, the appalling name. Uh, just a specialised mediator for parenting cases. Uh, And again, I keep saying this, but your family law solicitor will be able to point you in the right direction as to where to get that organised. Or indeed, in in a lot of cases, on websites and things like that. So have a look at the um, fcfcoa.gov.au. The Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia website has some fabulous information and resources on it. Have a peek at that. It's well worth it. Now, 
Section 60i certificates is the usual mechanism. Say, okay, we've tried, we've tried to negotiate around the arrangements for the children. We've failed, so we've got a 60i. But sometimes you haven't got time to do that. Things are no. happening so quickly. So what do you do then? Oh, you just you just file and you um, you have to explain it. In you your file own. in court. File in court, yeah. Start court, yeah. start a court so case you have to saying it's urgent. Yep. So what you have to do is you'll have to explain why you don't have a 60i certificate. And I think there's a form. Everyone who knows me knows how much I love forms. Um, <laughs> and, and you can put the affidavit evidence within the affidavit that you're filing generally. Yeah, the reasons I need to dispense with the 60i certificate, but your lawyer will help you drafting that. That's right. I think there's a form that's like a, a notice of non-filing of yeah. the dispute. Like, uh, it's just... They, they love putting new forms oh, on there. Uh, look, I, I don't even... Uh, the, the forms, I, I'm just at a loss with them now. I just go, there's probably a form for that. And um, <laughs> <laughs> If there's not a form, there's a regulation a telling form, us a form's coming. That's right. So, um, you know, in, in my practice, I would normally get um, a paralegal to get all the forms ready to to go and we'll fill them all in that and we, we know need exactly who she is and she's an absolute stalwart yeah <laughs> so so we just get them to um to fill in that form um which is basically saying yep there's been no filing of the 60i certificate because of whether it be urgent or it might be a violency vi- violency that's not even a word it is now though yeah, a I'm, violence writing, I'm writing that down a, violency, a violency a violency issue it's like it's not quite violence, but it's kind of <laughs> violency. Um, yeah, so there there are certain exceptions, and where it's maybe not appropriate that or that you haven't been able to get a sixty I certificate. It might be perfectly reasonable that you haven't. Yeah. So just, we, we've now moved into the land of the law. Then yeah. Um, just before we get there, though, one thing that it's really important to know with your sixty I certificate. So you've got your golden ticket, as you call it. Mm-hmm. They're only valid for twelve months. Right. So, so it has a shelf life. Yeah. So you well, can't you just go. Well, give the chocolate factory to somebody else That's unless right. you. Yeah. If you don't file it within that um, that twelve months, then you have to go and get another sixty I certificate, and the FDRP will probably charge you again for that sixty I certificate. That will be the least of your worries in terms of that cost if you are about to jump into right. the land of the law yep. and courts. Which yep. is, I just wanted to touch on a few yep. other things before we wrap up because yeah. we get into. Questions around things like family reports then, which mm. is you haven't been able to agree things with your, your ex and so you tried the mediation or you didn't and you jumped and you're into court. The court says, okay, how do we know who's telling the truth and what, what would be an expert's view about the best interests of the child? Yeah, so you'll have a family report writer who's usually a family consultant or a social worker or counsellor, psychologist, someone with some sort of expertise in that area. Right, somebody with particular insight into yep. children's issues, probably more than the parents. Yep. Um, well, they're going to be biased anyway, the, the parents. So this is someone that's independent. Yep. And you're going to have um, – what normally happens is you'll have um, – the family consultant will have an interview. It's usually done like over the course of one day, maybe two, but it's usually all in one day because you've got an interview with mum, an interview with dad, and if there's a significant other, of course, sometimes that they may need to speak to them as well because it, there might be issues involving them. Well, grandparents sometimes pop up into these things because they do. Of the, you know, the nature of sort of blended families these days and people living in different you know, family yep. setups. So if they're significant in the children's lives, you can probably expect the family consultants going to well, want to meet They're going to want to talk to them. Yeah. That's right. And then um, they'll also have a session whereby the parent will interact with the kids um, with so each parent will interact with the kids and the family consultant will report on how they interact because a lot of the time um, what the family consultant is looking for are just the way that uh, things like you know are you 
raising inappropriate issues or adult issues or, mm. you know, little snide comments that you just don't realise that you're making. The amount of times I've, I, you know, I'll, I'll be talking to a client before a family um, cons- family report interview and I'll say to them, I said, well, what do you, you know, if you keep saying things like that and muttering those, uttering those sorts of stuff under your breath, the family report writer is not going to miss that. She's no. going to see that hostility or he's going to see that hostility and it's going to be – it's not helpful. It's going to be written down in a report that's read yep. by your judge in your case deciding arrangements for your children. And so, so there will be little things and people don't realise. And it will be the way that someone talks about um, the other parent. Um, you know, you might be playing with your child and, and it might be dad say, referring to – or it might be mum referring to the father and say, saying, oh, well – your father bought that for you, I suppose. You know, it, it's that real, mm. it's that tone and all that sort of stuff. She, the, the family report writer is going to comment and notice on those small little issues. So be very careful. Little things can add up to big outcomes, they can. can't they? Yeah. Yep. Um, now, one of the people that sometimes gets involved in parenting matters that we come across quite a lot are what I mentioned at the start, these independent children's lawyers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now... <laughs> They are, uh, these are people who are appointed by the court. Yep. And their role is, well, what, what, how would you describe their role? Well, they're not really, so most people think that they're a children's lawyer in the sense that they are the same as your lawyer. So right. in most cases, the children's lawyer won't even have spoken to your kids. So in, in a lot of, sorry. So they're not then the children's lawyer per se, are they? They're, yeah, they're not following their instructions. No, they don't. So it's not like your that your kids have their own lawyer. Um, they technically do because the children's lawyer will go off, will use all the records and all the information that's put before the court. So they'll read through things like the family family report recommendations um, and any counselling notes, all the material that's before the court, the affidavits, and they'll um, they'll subpoena like police service and. So, range so they, of different places. So they'll, they'll do a lot of investigating, but they won't necessarily talk to the, the kids themselves. Right. So they, they sort of have an inquisitorial process for the benefit of the judge. They're appointed by the court. Yeah. I, I think it's it's meant to be for the kids, but I, I sometimes I feel like it's just a lackey for the judge to, to come <laughs> in and say, you know, and I mean no disrespect to the court because um, it's, it's a system there that is – is designed to try and we're all trying we're all there as officers of the court designed to assist the court to make a decision yeah and so that is just another you know because you know you're acting for dad you've got dad's perspective and position to be looking out for i'm acting for mum i'm look i'm looking out for her interests well we need that extra lawyer in the mix to look out for the kids and put forward their lawyers are always going to support other lawyers but yeah i, yeah. I, I, I totally get that so that, that's why. <laughs> and then we, we go through our process through, through the courts and we might get some short-term orders and they're called yep. interim orders. Yep. And ultimately, if you can't agree and you go through a trial, the court's going to make final parenting orders. Yep. What happens if people ignore court orders? They can be contravened. So you can apply that for That sounds con- painful. What does that involve? It, it's a, well probably not as painful as it sounds, um, but there is a new there's a there's a national contravention list which um, parties can make an application and say well, you know dad hasn't been complying with the orders etc. It used to be well I, I haven't hasn't hesitated to say this and again meaning no disrespect to the court which is usually a vastly over mm. overwhelmed and under resourced institution but yeah. 
trying to enforce or have court orders upheld has historically been kind of a difficult process. It's slow, painful, and sometimes yep. inefficient. doesn't get the outcomes that well, you need. So say, for example, you've got um, – I oh, look, I saw a case recently and there was – I always say recently, it's probably not even recently – but I saw a case. All things are relative. In yeah, I know. It terms. feels like it was yesterday, but it wasn't. Um, but anyway, I saw this case. Um, kids were, I think, um, at the time that there was all this non-compliance with the orders. I think they were like eleven and eight, and but by the time that Dad tried to do something about it, the kids were like ten and thirteen. Yeah, and then so so then so a that ship has sailed because they're a bit older. And then B, by the time you get it into the uh, and the the court list, even through this new national contravention list, you know, the eldest child's probably going to be fifteen before you get to a trial on the issue. Um, and good luck trying to enforce any or getting a court to even impose any conditions on that party to on mum to try and get the eldest to comply with those orders and. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it that ship sailed, as you say. Practicality will overwhelm some of those things. Won't so you? It's, time it's, time moves along. So if 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 you're thinking about bringing an application for contravention, time is of the essence. And and also don't do it for trivial things. No. If somebody turns up half an hour late because it's a perfectly reasonable. Oh my excuse, god! You know, I've seen the stop it. You know, it, it ten minutes. Life gets in the way. Ten minutes. It's like they were, they were ten minutes late, so I've can I've cancelled the the um. The contact, oh, I'm still in the days of residence and contact, but, <laughs> but you know, I've, I've cancelled that spending time. Just make sure you know? if you're going to bring a contravention application, it's for something that's serious and yeah. significant. Yeah, like mum's been withholding the kids for the last however many months. That would yeah. be significant, yeah. yeah. And that'll get dealt with by the courts. That's right. Um, because you can end up with your final orders, you, you might have, you know, equal time. Yep. Or you might have like every other weekend and school holiday time, what we call substantial and significant time. But it's pretty rare that you'll end up as a parent with no time with your children. It does happen. Yeah. But <coughs> in most cases, there will be some time arranged. So if the other parent is withholding um, for no proper reason, then you need to speak to your solicitor straight away Definitely. and move on to that yep. quickly. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's sort of the land of the law and some of the parenting things that we come across. Um, the last thing I scribbled down in my, my notes here was sort of like the aftermath because as practitioners, you know, we – meet people when they're going through that separation or just after, and then we work with them through a difficult process and then end up hopefully with a long-term arrangements for the kids. And then th- those people, we sometimes don't see them again. Mm. And it's what happens after that is it's, it's a little bit of an unknown, but, you know, a, a happy tale from, from me this morning. I, I swapped emails with a client uh, and I we resolved her parenting issue back in 2017 on a final basis and... The little boy concerned, he is absolutely thriving. So mm. no, there were some very detailed orders that were made after a very difficult case, and it's very encouraging sometimes when you see that, but it's, it's rare for us as family lawyers to really know the long, long-term outcomes apart from the cases. Yeah, well, in, in terms of what I try and get clients to think about is having these parenting orders that are made as a backup. Yeah. What your ultimate, what your ultimate goal is is to accept that your adult relationship is over, your co-parenting relationship has just begun. Whatever your relationship was, it's now different. It's that there's going to be a new normal, a new system in place, and you have to be accepting of that. Once you can accept that, you can put in place these arrangements, you can have these orders, and that is what I, what I like to have as your backup. 
you want to be able to have that as okay let's pull that out for a rainy day for if if it's the case that the parties aren't you know we've you know um, dad's now got a new girlfriend and she's a mega mega cow um, and she's stuffing everything up you know you can fall back on those orders um, what I what I'd like to see from and hear from people is to say well okay yeah we've got these orders in place but you know we just kind of do our own thing things have been going really well we're able to co-parent there's no real issues you know um as it turns out we're now doing a week about but whatever you do don't vary it in writing no gosh yeah you, you yeah, i was thinking exactly that as you were saying that because if you write something down yep. that can be construed as a parenting plan yep. parenting plans can override orders that you may have scrabbled around and fought for years and to spent obtain. a hell of a lot of money on so yeah there's so, the takeaway you, you know, so. make sure that you speak to your solicitor before you sign anything yeah. always good advice just if you if you're going to sign something see your lawyer but you know ultimately have those orders in your back pocket and get on with life and in, and enjoy it enjoy the time with your kids try and enjoy your time um and not not sweating the small stuff not worrying about what your ex is doing move on that's and that's over Enjoy being a parent. Yep. Doesn't last for very long. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Liza. That's our sort of a walk through the woods of, of parenting cases generally. Um, I'm sure we'll come back to that topic. There's loads of things to talk about there. That's the end of another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with Liza and Alex. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know of any comments in our uh, podcast website. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good platforms.